Thank you. Um, what a wonderful time of worship. That was wonderful. Um, the novelty for me, I feel very loud, the novelty for me of being here has not yet worn off. And it's really exciting to be with you in person, worshiping together. That feels really special to me. And, um, and particularly to be able to speak to you today in person is a wonderful thing. Alex, do I need to just move this a little bit lower so I'm not so booming? Is that better? Great. Yes, to be able to speak to you in person is wonderful. So, yes, it is a joy to be here today, and particularly, as Theo said, on this day, um, because this day, this is very loud. Sorry. It's been a while since I got to Brittany up, but there we go. Maybe that's a little bit better, further from my face. Um, today is a special day for my family, and so it is wonderful to share a story. And this story is actually one which I've wanted to share a few times with you when I've spoken previously. And every time I've kind of said, oh, maybe I'll share this one, I felt really strongly God say, no, not yet. Um, and and I, I felt him saying, you need to wait till the 26th of September is a Sunday. And this year it is, so here I am. So I, I feel quite strongly that for someone here today, there is great significance, or at least one person, um, if not more, there is great significance in this story. So please open your hearts, ask God to speak to you today, because I, lo I love this story of God's goodness to our family. And uh, I think I might just change mics. Just pause. There we go. This might be a little bit less blustery. Um, so yes, but testimony is important, isn't it? It's, it's really, really important. You know, in Revelation 19 verse 10, it says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What that means is that when we tell stories of what God has done in our lives, we're saying he can do it. And we're saying he can do it again in our own lives and in the lives of other people. Testimony matters. It is important, crucial, that as followers of Jesus, we tell each other what he has done. Because it also raises faith, doesn't it? There's nothing like hearing a good story about God's goodness and thinking, that's amazing. And it just raises our faith and makes us believe for slightly more for ourselves. And I also find it brings a huge sense of joy. And at the um, deeper meeting earlier this month, on the first Wednesday of the month, there was a recurring word through the evening, which was joy. And the fact, the sense that God was wanting to restore much of the joy that has been lost over the last 18 months and to give us back that joy. And testimony is a vital part of that. Now, today is very much about testimony. It's a testimony that I am really excited to share with you um, because the 26th of September is our Pile of Stones Day. And every year we gather close to the date to retell the story of God's goodness to our family and how he saved us from the waters. 
And every year we try and invite other people to join us for a meal or just to tell them the story, to pass on the stories of God's goodness. And so I am really delighted that today I get to share it with my church family. That feels really meaningful to me. But before I tell you the story, let me just explain what pile of stones means. Because I can imagine that is a little bit of a strange phrase if you've not come across it before. Now the command to share testimonies actually first comes in the Bible with the Israelites as they enter the promised land. God has brought them out of Egypt. He has taken them through the desert where they learned the character of God and they learned reliance on God. And now God is fulfilling the promise that he first made to Abraham, first of all in Genesis 15, when he said that he would give them the promised land, the land between Egypt and I think the Euphrates River. We first see that promise in Genesis 15. And finally, in Joshua 3, it's coming to pass. And so this is a big moment for the Israelites. It is a hugely exciting moment. They are stepping into what God has for them. And it is appropriate for that to be remembered. Now, in order to enter the promised land, they've got to get through the River Jordan, which uh, is a deep river. They can't just kind of walk through it and get their ankles wet. It's a deep river. But God has a way, as he did with the Red Sea. And God tells Joshua that the Ark of the Covenant is to be carried into the water by the Levites. And as soon as the priest's feet touch the water, it stops flowing. And the river backs up upstream to allow all the people to pass through to the promised land. Now, once the Israelites are across, God gives a command to Joshua. And I'm going to ask my mum to come and read that for us. It's Joshua 4, verses 1 to 8. And there's a significant reason why I'm asking my mum to do it, and you'll hear more. When all the people had crossed the River Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose twelve men, one from each tribe. Tell them, Take twelve stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had chosen one from each of the tribes of Israel. And he told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulders, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial in the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them. They remind us that the River Jordan stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. So the men did as Joshua had commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the River Jordan, one for each tribe, 
just as the Lord had told Joshua. They carried them to the place where they camped for the night and constructed the memorial there. Thank you. Your children will ask you what they mean and you will tell them. Do you know, by having a culture that remembers God's faithfulness, they are a people more willing to follow what God says. I want to have that culture. I want to cultivate that culture where I remember and I tell the stories of God's goodness because when I do, it gives me faith to follow God's commands. And that is what this morning is about. So straight after the Israelites have entered the promised land, they go on and defeat the city of Jericho. And actually, I think it's significant that they've just seen God's faithfulness in getting them through the River Jordan, and they've remembered it because that gives them the faith in order to get around the city and for the city to be, to, to be defeated in God's way. And I believe that sometimes, in the same way that the Israelites did it, sometimes it is appropriate for us to build a pile of stones, as it were, a physical reminder of a particular testimony so that others can see it and ask What does it mean? So around 20 years ago, my mum was actually speaking on that passage in Joshua, and she felt challenged to ask for us as a family, what significant thing has God done that we should build a pile of stones and tell others about? And that was the beginning of our pile of stones day on the 26th of September. In order to glorify God and prophesy what he can do. So let me tell you the story. We are going back 32 years to 1989. Some of you were not around then. Some of you remember the date very well because you were very much around then. I was 16 months old, so I was a little one in a pushchair. And to set the scene for you, it was a warm September day, similar to the weather we've had this week. My dad was away on a rare work trip My grandparents were away, and my mum's friends were busy that afternoon. So my mum had a a three-and-a-half and a a a one-and-a-half-year-old that she needed a nice, calm, easy activity, safe, safe activity to to do by herself. To add into the context, my mum was going through prayer counselling at this time, and she'd had a session that morning where God had spoken to her about being reliant on him, not people. And so as her safe activity, she decided to take us to feed the ducks at Beddington Park. What could go wrong? Nice, nice quiet activity. There's actually a picture that uh, might come up. Here we are. Um, This is the spot where this story takes place. As you can see, the ponds are quite wide. um, And the river, or sorry, the pond, the water is about a foot below the bank of the river. So if you imagine you're standing on the, the bank here and the water is below, which if you were in the water, for example, might make it quite hard to get out. Uh, And there's a path that goes round the ponds, but on this day it was 
quite quiet in the park. So we start feeding the ducks. I am in my pushchair. Um, I assume I was probably mostly munching the bread rather than throwing it in because that's what my daughter did at 18 months. And my brother is throwing bread in for the ducks. Probably not the same ducks as in that photo because that was 30 years later. And the way my mum describes it is that Ben forgot to let go. And he kind of just went in with the bread. She wasn't too worried at first, but he was down for a while. And then when he did come up, it was just his back that came up in the surface. His t-shirt ballooned, it filled with air. He made no effort to move, and then he went down again. My mum cannot swim, but she shouted, Jesus, help! And then she jumped in. Now, to note, we actually, she actually expected the water to be quite shallow because it's deceptive where the sunlight makes you think you can see the bottom. But when she jumped in, it was way, way, way over her head. It was a deep pond. But then a series of miracles started to happen. The first one, my mum jumped in about two metres away from my brother because she didn't want to jump on top of him. So she jumped in two metres away from him, but she came up right underneath him. And as she came up, she pushed him up. And as she pushed him up, uh, a hand, someone lifted my brother off her and he was out of the water. But the force of trying to push him out forced my mum down. And at that moment, she thought she was going to die because she could feel herself going down. But then God gave her a picture of how to tread water. She, she'd never known how to tread water. She was completely non-swimmer. But God showed her how to tread water, so she copied it. She copied the picture, and she started to tread water. And as she did so, a hand reached down into the water. I always get emotional telling this story. A hand reached down into the water, and it picked her up. It took hold of her by the hand, and it didn't drag. Remember, this, the bank is about a foot above the water. It didn't drag her up the bank and leave her on her all fours. This hand reached down, it pulled her up and put her down on her feet on the side of the river. Now the man that was standing there was apparently out for a jog. He's wearing shorts and t-shirt and flip-flops, which seems a natural choice to go for a jog in September. He was no more than five foot six and he was very lightly built. This was not a chunky guy who could easily pull someone out and set them on their feet. He was slim, he was short compared with other men. And then immediately he just turned and jogged off. Now my mum realised what was happening and said, stop! And he stopped and he, he turned round. And my mum said, I just wanted to say thank you. And then he turned and he just ran off. He just jogged off and he disappeared around the corner. He never said a word. Now, moments later, two older ladies 
who had been sat on the other side of the pond, you can kind of see there were benches on the other side, they'd seen my brother and my mum go in, and so they'd hurried as fast as they were able. To, they'd hurried down, down the, to the bottom of the pond, around the bottom and up, and they came from the direction that the jogger had disappeared in. And they came around and they said to my mum, how did you get out? And my mum my said, well, the, the jogger pulled us out. And they said, oh, what jogger? We didn't see anyone. My family are confident that he was an angel, that he pulled us out of the river. And the remarkable thing, considering what happened, is that my brother had no trauma from the event. In fact, he actually said to my mum, in the way a three-and-a-half-year-old does, he said, why did you pull me out? I was being a duck. <laughs> he had perfect peace throughout the event. And me, in my pushchair, who knows what I could have done. I mean, a one-and-a-half-year-old whose mum and brother suddenly disappear from view could be upsetting. And I just sat there happily, not disturbing the pushchair. I just sat there happily and watched the entire event. Do you know Psalm 40, verse 1 and 2 says, I waited for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on solid ground. And Steve, I love the word that you brought this morning because he sets our feet on solid ground. And I know a God who can do it because I know a God who has done it. And I know a God who will do it again and again and again and again because this is my family's pile of stones day. It is our story of being lifted out of despair and set on solid ground. You see, my mum found out that day that it wasn't just theory that she could rely on God. God said it in the morning and he proved it in the afternoon. And that is why we tell this story at least once a year because we need to remind ourselves and proclaim that God can do it, that he is enough, that he is all that we need, and that he can rescue us from the pit of despair and set our feet on solid ground. And for me personally, remembering this story, it makes a difference because it helps me have faith and it gives me boldness that he will pull through for me again. And he will pull through for you again. In Joshua, when they build their monument of stones, it was to tell other people what God had done. But if we look back at the original pile of stones in Joshua 4 verse 2, there's a little bit that I love in the story, and it says this. God said, now choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Each tribe. God could have just said, choose your 12 strongest. 
or he could have said, build, build a pile of stones this high, but he didn't. He said it was the story that each tribe brings. Two years ago, on the 30th anniversary of our Pile of Stones event, we gathered as a family to visit the spot where my mum and my brother went in the water. And you can see our Pile of Stones is there. And there's another picture of my mum retelling the story to Jonathan and Elia when they are a little bit smaller than they are now. And my brother's there. And we're all there, but we got to tell the story to our children which is exactly what it tells in Joshua chapter 4. They already knew the story, but going back to the exact spot was really special. And we each took, we took enough stones, we each took a stone to, to build a pile, but it wasn't one person that built the pile. We all added a stone, including Elia, who is, I think, two and a half in that picture. Because this is the story of my tribe, and we will pass it through the generations. And I wonder what your story is. Because we all have a stone to add. However big or small it might seem to us, it is significant to someone, because to someone in the place that you've come from, it says that God can do it. And so however small you might feel your stone is, it still matters. Because testimony of God is the spirit of prophecy. We're saying he can do it again. And for the last 18 months, for many of us, it has been hard to hold on to the stories and keep them at the forefront of our mind. I know for me personally, when I feel stuck in the mud and the mire, I so easily look down at the worries and the troubles around me and the stresses, and I forget. I forget to hold on to what God has done. But it's time to tell our stories again. It's time to say what God has done, to serve as prophecy of what he can do and will do for others. And I think we need to be prepared to take a physical, practical step in doing this because, again, if it's just an ad hoc, when I remember, when I feel like it, it gets sidetracked. The stories get forgotten. And so it has to be intentional. And there are lots of ways that we can do it. Maybe as I've shared my story today, there's been an incident in your mind that you've thought, actually that was a really big deal and I need to make an, my own pile of stones day or however it looks for you to remember and to commemorate and to tell others about what God has done. Or maybe it's about the smaller things for you. And I know that many families in the church already do this but we have a jar of thankfulness and every time we recognize God's goodness in anything, anything small, we write it on a slip of paper, we put it in there and then every new year we open it and we share the stories and I've actually got a scrapbook where I then stick all the stories, all the slips of paper and our current scrapbook goes back to 2015 with all the stories of the little things, the big things that God has done for our family because it matters that we tell them, it matters that we remember them. 
If that doesn't work, you could build a little pile of stones at home that you see every day. Or you could keep a journal where you write down some of the things, some of the stories. Or perhaps there's a story that's come to mind today or that you could sit and think about that you could tell someone else in the room before you leave today to share and encourage what God has done, what God can do, and what God will do again. Because testimonies are so important. They are an encouragement to each other. They raise our faith as believers. They bring joy. And they are a monument to God's goodness. The culture that the Israelites were told to have, where they remembered the good things that God had done, that gave them faith and boldness to listen and to follow the commands of God. The monuments that we create to God's goodness are really, really important because they give us an opportunity too to speak with others about what God has done, potentially each other, but also potentially people who don't know him. Over the years, we have had the privilege of sharing our pile of stone story with people who don't yet know God. And that is a wonderful thing. And most importantly, I come back to Revelation 19, verse 10. It says, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We are prophesying when we remember, when we tell the stories of what God has done. We are prophesying that God can, and most importantly, that he will do it again. Thank you.